Okay, hello everyone. Today we will be studying the Mishnayot for Tuesday, March 15th, the second and third Mishnah in the sixth chapter of Mesachet Demai. Uh, today's learning has been sponsored by Leah Homenitsky, Li'ilu Nishmata, the yard site of his grandmother, Yenya Bas Levi Vesara Devara, whose yard site will be recognized on the 12th of Adar Sheni. Uh, so we hope and we pray that our learning today, all of the learning, that is done through the listening of these Mishnayot should be a Eloi Nishamam, should uplift her soul on this auspicious day of her yard site on the 12th of Adar Sheni. So thank you, Leo, for that. We will be studying, as we mentioned, the second Mishnah over here in the sixth chapter. It says as follows, Somebody who rents a field from a non-Jew, and the planned way of paying is that you will pay with the produce itself. This isn't the sharecropping partnership where you're splitting the profits. There is a set amount that you plan on paying. It's a very nice system for the owner of this field. They know they are going to get a certain amount whether the field has produced or not. So what is the halacha if you rent it from a non-Jew? Says the Mishnah, You have to take care of all the tithing. Why? Even though we mentioned in the previous Mishnah, you do not have to do that when you rent it from a Jew. You do have to do it from a non-Jew. And the reason is, is that we want to force the non-Jew to sell their land in the land of Israel. The way we force them by selling it is that if they see that Jews are not uh, you know, doing this whole tenant-farmer partnership where you pay the owner produce for working his land, then the non-Jewish farmer owner will be forced to sell the land. Uh, and the way we sort of discourage Jews from joining this partnership is that they have to tithe everything from this produce and then go ahead and pay them from this field. So that will cause a loss for the farmer and it will sort of disincentivize him to join a tenant farmer partnership with the non-Jew. Rabbi Huda goes one step further and he says, <laughs> He says, again, one step further, that even if someone receives a field as a sharecropper from an idolater, in other words, he rents a field that originally belonged to his family but was stolen by idolaters, says the Mishnah, Ma'aser Binosanlo. Again, th- this whole thing of you know, people stealing fields from one another um, apparently was not uncommon during the Roman occupation of the land of Israel. When you think about when the Mishnayot were written and originally organized and sort of learned, uh, that was a key period. So we're discussing your fields that belonged to a Jew originally. Then the non-Jew stole it. Says Rabbi Huda, Ma'asr You must separate all the tithes and only then give the landowner his share. Why did they do this? The rabbis decreed that even a sharecropper is required to separate all the tithes in order to encourage him to buy back his family's field from the idolater. Meaning here it's sort of the opposite, is that by paying all the tithes, then you'll be saying, you know what, it's not worth it for me to work the field, give the tithes, and then give some rent payment to the owner. Let me just buy the field to begin with. Uh, sort of force you to get it back into the family's roots, uh, into the family's possession. So then, again, so those are two cases of one is sharecropping from a non-Jew and one is renting it from the non-Jew. Uh, next Mishnah, the third Mishnah. So a Kohen and a Levi got a field from a Jew. So here it's an interesting situation because the Kohen and Levi um, really could give the tithings to themselves. So how exactly does it work? So says the Mishnah. The Mishnah says that the same way 
Right, so here we're discussing a case where they received a field as a sharecropper from a Jew. Now we mentioned uh, in the previous Mishnah that when you have a field as a sharecropper, again, sharecropper means that whatever the field produces, you split uh, a certain percentage. And again, that percentage is made up before you start planting. So for instance, let's say the classic would be that a half is given to the owner and half is given to the farmer. So when it comes time to split, the previous mission says you do not have to tithe before you give the, you give it back to the owner. However, says the Mishnah that one can split the amount of truma that is supposed to be given. So let's say it came out that you have to give you know ten apples of truma. The Kohen could take a half of the amount of truma that's supposed to be given, which in this case, let's say would be five, and that five he could either keep for himself or he could give it to another a Kohen. So in other words, just like you split the chulin, you also split the truma. Rebbe Yezer says that not only that, but the tithings actually belongs to them. All the tithings. Why? Because apparently a Kohen and Levi um, want to work the field in order. This is sort of like a condition they they went into when they got the field, that they only went to produce the field in order that they should receive the complete trumot and maesrot from the land. And then only after that will they then split the profits. So again, he says, if one of the farmers, again, the farmer who came into the field, the sharecropper, he happens to be a Kohen or a Levi, then he actually gets to keep all the trumot and maesrot because apparently that was the thought when they entered into the partnership originally. Okay, so that concludes our learning for the day. Again, the learning should be a uplift for it should be uplifting for the neshama of Yenya Bas Levi Vesara Devora. And as always, I thank you so much for taking time out of your day to study some Torah.